0: nick brown he's been the high school projectionist for the av club for over nine semesters and can be heard nightly at the theater talking loudly in the row behind you about the film being screened and now they're joining forces ladies and gentlemen rick and nick talk flicks
1: ah summertime is definitely here and it means it's a great time to go catch a movie or in our case talk about the movies welcome back for rick and nick talk flicks we're glad to be with you again today Rick and Nick talk is sponsored by the Bemidji theater located on highway two, just down from the airport here in Bemidji home of $5 movie nights on Tuesdays. I'm Joel Hoover. I'm Dave Brooks. It's great to be back with you again. As we get back into talking movies, the summertime slate is underway, Dave. I've been promoting Rick and Nick for some of our radio stations a little bit. Just, Hey, make sure you go check us out online. Uh, at whatever various website and then click on the podcast tab and and you could catch the catch up on what's been going on. The summer one still feels pretty relevant and the movies are just continuing to churn along and there's some pretty good ones that have been coming along. What a shocker. Toy Story Four, even though it maybe stretched it a bridge too far in theory, once again got great reviews and is doing great business.
0: It looks like Disney and Pixar have a clean sweep here with uh, all the Toy Story Four Toy Story movies. Toy Story Four Fantastic reviews. I think it came up slightly soft over the weekend box office, but certainly not anything to get all, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Not like a Star Wars solo movie did. So it looks like they're going to finish it out pretty well. Great reviews, great time to see it. And we're going to take the kiddo to go see it. Wonderful.
1: And that's that's what's great is that, it's one of those ones where you can take the kids out and go and go see one that's enjoyable. And the parents are going to really enjoy it as well because it has transcended quite a bit of time.
0: Here's even the more fun. Those Toy Story movies, they just kind of have a way of making the adults cry. And a lot of parents now were kids when Toy Story 1 came out 20-some years ago. Now mom, the little kids are going to see mom and dad cry and they have to have a nice big family lesson. Well, yes. big people can cry too because it's just so sad and touching.
1: Yeah, it was the best open um, in history for for the Toy Story franchise, $118 million that it pulled in, um, just getting past uh, Toy Story 3, although due to inflation, Toy Story 3 was a little bit higher, so numbers were pretty good, though, for that open, and what a surprise. Even though, again, some may have felt the story got an ending with a bow on top, it ended up stretching a little bit further, but worked out pretty well
0: now there might be some of that sentiment and i haven't seen the movie yet so i can't i can't testify but uh from what i'm hearing across the boards you know i would have thought three was a great way to end it but four was a beautiful epilogue it was just perfect uh i'm not really hearing much for negative anyway i think it's just summertime and people have things going on and we'll get to it we'll get to it we're gonna see it and we just we haven't yet so we don't factor into the box office total so we'll get there Yep. But summertime, what a good time to go see a show, Toy Story or Child's Play. Just make sure, parents, you go to see the right child's movie, or you're going to be uh, spending more money than just popcorn. It'll be on therapy.
1: Yeah, using discretion, I think, is the uh, the the best way to look at that. That's right.
0: I'm not talking discretion. I'm talking, my kids love superhero movies. Let's go see that Deadpool something-something. My kids love, yeah, because that happens.
1: <laughs> right. Speaking of superhero Spider-Man Far From Home is coming up here pretty soon.
0: Yeah, yeah. We've got uh, the, I don't think I don't know how to describe that. It's, a, it's kind of an epilogue of the Phase 3 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it's going to be the last MCU movie for at least a little while. They're working on others. They're filming Black Widow right now, but it's not anywhere near ready to come out, so you get a little breather from at least the MCU. That's right. All right, for today's show, Dave, you came up with a
1: neat idea when it came to how do we show movies to others around us in our life that maybe they haven't seen before? Or what kind of movie would you introduce to them if they are maybe not as inclined to be a movie goer, right?
0: Well, not even, I don't like movies. Well, then you're out of luck, all right. I don't really like movies because they're fa- Well, then there's probably no sense in showing them any of the greats because they're probably not going to appreciate it. But if you've got your friends or your family or your parents, and they do like movies, but for whatever reason, they just, I don't see that many movies. Well, I got this going on and that going on. And, you know, usually I go and see a movie and I really like it, but, you know, I never get the chance to go. I'm talking to a lot of parents with a lot of kids at the house. They don't get to go to see as many as they'd like. And um, so if you're going to have a movie night and you're going to show – Whomever, a really good movie. One you've seen before. One you like. It's not the what we're not talking about. Let's check this out. I heard it was good. No, no, no. This is a really good movie. You need to see this movie. It is awesome, and you're going to love this. So you had to break it up by category because of who you're going to be showing this movie to. So we came up with we came up with three originally, but and then you had a fourth. Came up with a fourth. The fourth would be. Just exactly what we were talking about. We're going to bring the kiddo to see Toy Story 4. The very first movie movie he ever saw was the original Toy Story at the house. And we showed it to him, and he was just, wow. And then we took him to see um, uh, Wonder Park in the big theater, and that was this past winter time. Uh, And he was just enamored. He thought it was awesome. So he's seen all the Toy Story movies now. We're going to go see number four. So what would be a movie that you would introduce to a kid And I'm not necessarily talking cartoon. I'm talking movie. And for that reason, we're going to call it a live feature. Not necessarily animated or CGI. It could be, but we're going to talk live feature. Okay. What would you show your buddies? What would you show your significant other? So basically, what's a really good date movie? And you know it. And what movie would you show your parents? Because parents don't always want, I don't want exploding and aliens and and nudity. I just want to watch something that makes me think. And so, okay, here's something that the parents might appreciate. So those are the four categories. What would you show your buddies, your friends, your parents, and your kid? I think this is a good
1: question as you and I are going to be answering this throughout the course of this episode. I do think this is a good question that for the listener – Be thinking about how you in particular would answer this because Dave and I are going to throw out our own ideas. We're going to throw out things that really appeal
0: to us us,
1: that we think would have some appeal to the friends around us. Try to do the same for yourself. You know, Try to figure out for yourself what fits the mold for me. What fits the mold for me and for my friends when it comes to these categories? Because this isn't... You know, this isn't trying to throw out ideas that that maybe you'll take. Maybe some of these do work for you. But maybe some of our reasoning and our logic start turning the gears on some ideas for yourself.
0: At the very least, it's going to suggest a movie that maybe you haven't seen. Or, you know what, that is a good movie. I heard that was a good movie. I'm going to take a look at this. Yeah. If that's all that it does, that's fine too. But it's also about, you know, some of the reasoning is behind why. You know, why would I suggest this is a good movie And sometimes it relates to the movie itself. Sometimes it relates to the people you're going to show this movie to and knowing your parents, for example. My parents kind of like movies about this and like this. Here's one I know they haven't seen, and I think they would love it because they lived through this historical event or whatever the case, and this is a movie about that historical event. That's kind of where we're going to come from. So we're going to talk the movies. We'll talk the people a little bit, but also the why. Why are we going to do this particular movie? What's so good about it?
1: Yes. All right, Dave, which category should we lead off with? You know,
0: I hit it hit me this morning about kids and I was just thinking about it, so it's kinda of fresh in my brain. I'll start with kids. Okay. Now I've got a kid oh, he's three. Like I said, he's seen uh, the first three Toy Story movies, first two Toy Story movies. We haven't seen the third one yet. We're going to watch that at the house, and then we'll go see four. Probably why we haven't seen it yet. So he's getting to the point, and I remember the very first movie I ever saw, but I don't remember seeing it because I was nine months old, and that was the original Star Wars when it came out. So I remember. Between when Star Wars was re-released, when the Empire Strikes Back came out, I remember seeing it then. And that's one of the first I remember, but I also remember seeing what is going to be my pick, which was E.T., the extraterrestrial. Oh,
1: good choice.
0: E.T. is a great movie for kids because it's got everything. And one of the things that you really want to grab with those kids is that sense of wonder. You got Spielberg. I will put it this way, too. I I am a very privileged, I believe, and this is probably a biased opinion, but I think the era that I grew up in is amongst the most special little windows in the era of kiddom because there was such a sense of wonder then. Like, you wouldn't believe. The Star Wars movies were coming out. There was no trilogy yet. They were making the trilogy. I don't know one kid that wasn't running around With a lightsaber or a Millennium Falcon or something, or a Voltron toy, or I mean the Transformers. It was. Everywhere. Nowadays you look around, and I'm not criticizing, I'm just saying there's something different here.
1: Well, there's not as much imagination. Yes, that's there's what not I mean. as much imagination. It's all about the realism piece as well as the uh the virtual reality piece that, that well, yeah. seems to exist. And those two things have kind of squashed what used to be a very natural imagination that would come through. And I, I think you're right, Dave. The time of movies that you are talking about, that late 70s going into the eighties, there was this aura of imagination that existed
0: if you've seen stranger things it's a perfect analogy because it's set right in that window you've got you've got some amazing pop culture you've got the rise of what would become some digital things that i think have kind of taken over now and again i mean you could go home and play some video games or you could go out into that little patch of woods behind your house and it's not a little patch of woods it is the forest of doom i mean is whatever you wanted it to be and it was such a great – cry. There's a, there's a term now for between the Generation X and the baby boomers, the Xennials, which they put in, in between. It's so sort of like a sub-generation in between. It's the back end of Gen X and the first part of the millennials. And they were kind of in that – the end of the analog, the beginning of the digital. And it was just a perfect moment. And that was where I came up from. And you got the rise of Spielberg and all the – I mean, think about his early work. The first 10 years of Spielberg, I mean, think about it. And Star Wars, and I mean, you got fantasy adventures. That movie in itself, though, E.T., has got everything. It's really interesting. you got an alien. You've got a little boy. You've got deep themes here that will reach beyond anything. Because it grabbed me to this day, and I probably should admit it, but I will. E.T. can still to this day make me cry. And, That's uh, wonderful, or at Dave. least tear, I mean, I'm not, not like ugly cry, like, <laughs> I mean, not that, but, uh, yes. you know, you're sitting there with Danny, what's wrong with your face? Oh, it's okay. I just got a bug in my eye. You know, that kind of thing. Yes. But, uh, it's got a sense of wonder. It's got a sense of adventure. It's also got a sense of fear about it. And I was such a fan of Halloween movies. I don't mean the series. I mean like Halloween, this holiday. I like spooky things, and so things. Whether it was the foreboding scientists who were kind of the bad guys, you know, the antagonists. Anyway, we're trying to get this alien and study him and dice him up and whatever. You don't want those bad old men to get a hold of ET. We gotta get ET home. So you got that sense, and it all pays off in the end, and it all works out, and it's beautiful, and it's touching, and uh, it's a fantastic movie. It's and it's one of those movies where even though it's scary, and there are some moments that Mike, <laughs> you know, but at the end, it's okay. It's a safe hug and kids. Loved it maybe slightly traumatized but tell me a bedtime story about when you fall when you're rocking in your cradle in a tree when the branch when the branch breaks the bough falls and you're left to the alligators below. I don't know something like that. There's always some form of you know bedtime story about the big bad wolf that's gonna give kids a little but there's something about that. That's kind of intoxicating. It's got its lesson. It's maybe a you know, if you really want to go for a far reach, strangers. It's a lesson about strangers. Don't trust the strangers. You know, there's always something about that movie that you can find for whatever it is you're looking for, and you'll find it and it will be good. E.T. the extraterrestrial. Awesome first movie for a kid. You are a product of your time, Dave. And it it's is very defi- theatrical. It shows. It's yep. very theatrical. <laughs> it's a fantastic movie. I'm trying to remember when was the last time I saw that movie. It's been a while. Maybe it's time to to
1: br- bring it out, brush off the dust, and I, I think I'm going to wait. Again. I'm going to wait because it's been a while for me too. And I was just thinking about that the other week.
0: I'm going to wait. I uh, see. Right now, it's Toy Story for the kiddo. I was just talking to somebody about Star Wars for you. Oh, I
1: meant for you. Maybe it'd be a good time I, to go I, back and I'm, watch I'm it. I'm still going to wait. I want to wait okay. until
0: it's for him because then I haven't seen it in a while, so it's extra special and we're watching it together. Me for the I don't know 100th time maybe and for him his first. And it'll be one of the first movies he'll see that is live action and not a cartoon. He's got at least a year. He'll be 4. Yeah. And that's going to be on the young side, but he'll be roughly as old as what was Drew Barrymore when they filmed that movie as Gertie. She had to be about four or five, maybe. Not that old. So to get her in the movie, to get him to watch a movie about that age when he's four, maybe five at the latest, would be a great time to introduce it. Because I would have been about five-ish or so when the movie came out. Somewhere where it's
1: memorable, right? Yeah. Where it sticks. Yeah.
0: Well, you're, th- you're thinking about when you were there and who was there to see you. I remember Jimmy Landon was there to watch us, and he was two years younger than me. I was five. He would have been three, and he saw it then, and he was fine with it. He loved it. He thought it was a great movie. So if it worked for Jimmy Landon, it'll work for my little dude, and same with Star Wars. Maybe another year, but there's some things yeah. there too. But it's, yeah, it'll be a great one to show them. but parents, you gotta you know use your judgment. You know your kid. And my kid loves – there's a cartoon he loves. It's got a little monster that pops up on occasion, the dog. And to him, it's – it's he's cool. And it's his favorite episode of the whole thing. He loves Scooby-Doo with the monsters and things. So this would be right up his alley.
1: See, what I love about this this podcast and with the way that we approach a question like this is that you and I have different ways of approaching it and looking at it. And I think it's cool because it, it takes on very different kinds of answers that come. So the way you described it there with E.T., it's when when is this a good age for, for something that will create some wonderment like that? For me, the movies that stand out that way that my parents showed me were at an age where I was mature enough to really understand what was going on with this movie and where it really sunk in in a deep way. For instance, I still remember the first time my parents let me watch The Matrix. That was the first rated R movie that I watched, and they were like, Now, Joel, you're gonna like this movie a lot. There are some great themes to this movie, there's some terrific action in this movie as well. And that was our first time stepping into Rated R, so it was, but it stuck like that was a memorable moment, like a wow kind of moment. This is a wow kind of movie that that is really is really hitting home with, with some of the cool themes that came with it as well as like...
0: Sidebar here. I suggested showing kids E.T. Hooves is going straight to the R. He's going right to the jugular.
1: Right. But I'm talking about when they are at an age where that's doable. And yes. that wouldn't be until like until <laughs> double digits in terms of age. Like that's that's where the approach has been different. You're looking at it as, you know, earlier on in, oh, I, was just, in their... I, f-
0: I found an opportunity to get a chink in the armor and just go, ha 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 ha, ha. <laughs> Sure. Yep, that's that's all right. So so anyway, um uh, that was a great idea for a t shirt. I show my children R rated movies. <laughs> <laughs> I would not be buying that T-shirt. No, uh, I would wear that shirt just for fun. Yeah, I'd
1: I'd be looking at it like later on in their upbringing. I don't I don't have uh, a child, so it's it's a little bit different for me. I guess I'm I'm thinking about how it may be in the
0: future. So even, even better, get your kid a onesie that says "My Dad Shows Me R-Rated Movies." Oh my gosh. <laughs> and send them to daycare. What? I, <laughs> I, I, purely you know, for the shock value.
1: Yeah, for the shock value. I know I know there are probably people who would buy that, though.
0: But It would be funny, and that's the whole point. Don't yep. actually do it. I'm not condoning showing your kids R-rated movies. I just think it would be a funny onesie. So there are two movies that, that come to mind. Yeah, it, it would have shock value, that's for
1: sure. There, there are two that come to mind for me. The first one is one that, when I watched it, it was just a, a gut punch of, learning what sacrifice was but also what doing so for your countrymen and that was saving private ryan when the first time that i watched that movie it was a yeah. jaw-dropping wow kind of moment and i remember because i watched it with my dad and we watched it together and it was it was incredible to to see um in in this visual sense you talked about spielberg this is yeah. this is even a little bit further along is to see in this very visual sense what what the sacrifice of war looked like and how you know when I grew up war was a, a pretty novel concept to learn about for me. It was it was history. It was, you know, I would pour into this and and then I'd have my own little plastic action figures that I would have, you know, that I that I'd set up in lines and do battle with. This brought war on a, on a very real front um, and and in a way that really hit home of this is what sacrifice looks like, especially since in this particular instance, I had a, a, a great my great grandfather died at Normandy, not in the D-Day invasion a little bit later, but he died at Normandy. Hmm. And so this was this was pretty impactful to watch this movie and doing so with my dad in the way that I did. So th- this is one that I would Was that his father that died at Normandy or your mom's father? It it was it was my dad's my dad's grandfather. Oh okay basically. My dad's grandfather. And it was it was a wow kind of moment yeah. to to watch a movie like that and to really take that in and see this is what sacrifice looks like in in, in a cinematic way, but this is what sacrifice for your country looks like so that's one that comes to mind
0: i just watched that movie on the 75th anniversary of d-day which was yeah. what two weeks ago so i just saw that movie yeah yep. that's one of those movies the first 20 minutes the beginning and the end of that movie is a 20 minute battle scene in begin- yeah. oh, you're just holding your breath well you you kind of you yeah. kind of if you know what you're in for you kind of okay here we go you have to kind of prepare and psych yourself up and then you hit play and here we go, and it doesn't hold back. I That's mean, it right. does not hold back, and it's a fantastic movie. Yeah. By the way, we're up to the tallies now. Two R rated movies that who's going to show the kids? Well, the. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just well. Yep. Actually, I'm not half. I'm half teasing. Yep.
1: At the appropriate age, as you said, <laughs> the the other one that, that counts.
0: That counts. Yep. What real adult movie would you show your grown kid? As maybe a another perspective to take. On exactly. the question. And that's the idea. Yep. The
1: other one would be when they are age appropriate for superhero movies. It would be, all right, you know, maybe maybe you could watch this superhero movie or that superhero movie, but then it'd be like, Okay, are you ready for something completely different than what you've seen to this point? And that's when I would pull out the Dark Knight okay. and, and show them that. Like that's when it would be Okay, are you ready for maybe a different superhero movie than than what you've gotten to watch at this point? This is going to be a little bit darker, but it's going to have some pretty gripping themes that come through on it. The good guy doesn't necessarily win in this movie. And explaining some of those things, like the explaining part might be the most enjoyable of a movie like that. Like it'd be like, "Dad, why why did he do what he did there at the end?" You know, he didn't win there in the end. It's like well, now I can explain to you some of some of what he did and the why some behind what he did. Some of bigger themes. Right, the the tough choices that come along, the no-win scenarios that sometimes come along.
0: But Kobayashi Maru. That's right. But Kobayashi
1: Maru. Ah, we, we were saying just before this episode that Star Trek themes are going to keep on coming up here for the next few because we just did the big Star Trek well, episode. Yeah, it's
0: a no-win situation.
1: Yep. Kobayashi Maru. That's right. So I explaining those things would be really enjoyable as well as... This was a genre trendsetter. This was something that ran against the grain in ways that had not been done before. So, and this is why. And it's got some gripping performances, too.
0: I, you know, that's, that's the fun part of there is such a, such a, I mean, an immense salad bar, so to speak, of movies that are just fantastic. Uh, my my nephews, they're about 10. They just watched Back to the Future, and they loved it.
1: And you are loving it as their oh, uncle.
0: My brother sent me a picture of the TV screen with their little heads in front of it from behind them, just to send it their first showing. And I was like, oh, I want to hear from you guys in two hours. What did he think? <laughs> and I mean, the beginning of that movie, i would take a quick sidebar here. The beginning of that movie is slow, but the screenplay for the entire movie is one of the best ever assembled because every little thing in the first 15 minutes, which maybe is kind of slow and boring, you're setting up for what's coming and every single nuance, things you probably have seen that movie a hundred times you never noticed, that pay off to that movie. Everything is a setup and a payoff and it's a perfect example of pretty much a perfect screenplay. Just to throw that in there. Yeah, definitely. It's one of my all-time favorites, so they gotta give it a little love.
1: Rick and Nick talk flicks. is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater. As we continue to talk these different categories of who would who would we show this particular movie or what movie would we show to this particular person in our life? So we talked about kids. What do you want to move on to next?
0: Let's go to the opposite end of the spectrum. Let's go to your parents. So, when you're a grown man now and you're becoming your own taste, and parents are force fed a lot of things, whether it's, you know, in our house, it's the boss baby. We watch a lot of the baby show, as we call it in our house. I want to see the baby show because you love that. That's not what I'm talking about. When you become a, a grown person enough to the point that you've got a more sophisticated palate and you're in college or later, mom, dad, did you ever see such and such? No. One that comes to my list is a really good Ron Howard movie called Frost Nixon. It's based on a true event that is an aftermath of Watergate. So the background of that, you know, all about Watergate and what happened, and you know, Nixon was probably going to be the at the time the second president to be impeached, which kind of relevant is kind of relevant in today's culture too. But instead, he resigned, and then immediately after Vice President Ford became president, he pardoned Nixon. So there was, for a lot of the country, really no closure. Here's a guy that did do what he did. He did break the lives, probably, you know, he was going to be impeached, probably would have been removed, and very well could have faced charges after his presidential life. But the bad guy got away, so to speak, to use a term. He got, you know, kind of like the end of The Dark Knight, you know, not quite the fate that the Joker had, but he got away. So now here's this Australian talk show host that said, I'd love to get an interview with Nixon, who's trying to find his way back into the political realm. So here's this puff piece entertainment reporter going to go talk to a hard-boiled politician like Nixon, basically try to get him to apologize. And he's got people on the crew that are looking for the entertainment value, some people on his crew that really want to, hey, this guy wronged the country. I want to hear something back. And the kind of cat and mouse between the two of them. It's it's not necessarily a heavy movie, but it definitely has its moments of heaviness. And for those of you that are familiar with the incident, it was a it was a miniseries that aired or a series of these shows that aired that showed it. It was four days of taping kind of edited down where Nixon all but acknowledged, yes, I broke the law, and he said some remarkable quotes It's not illegal when the president does it. Wait, what? What did what did you just say? Wow. The progress- yep. And these are things that, you know, he just kind of caught him off guard that this puff piece journalist got him. And while Nixon never did time or he was put away, his political career was over. And any hope that he was going to come back, this sealed the door on that forever. He became sort of an elder statesman in his later years, but the movie about it is a really, really cool, very true to life. Um, looking into the history behind it and the, how actual is it, um, some things you'll know that you know you have no idea who actually said what, but this would probably be fairly close approximation. Yeah. But you know the, the the guts of this movie is absolutely true, and a lot of the events absolutely true, and it's one of those movies you could look at as an accurate enough history lesson. It's a very good movie. My parents had lived through Watergate. Watergate was a little before my time. It did very well critically too. I yes, recall. It did. Yeah, did very good. It's one of those movies that when it comes out and if you don't want to see explosions and aliens and you want to see a good movie with substance like The Post, another Spielberg movie, we might as well keep a theme here. Uh, It's in that vein. And it's even in today's issues and without getting too political, it's it's relevant to today. And The Post as well. So yeah. I, Frost Nixon would be one. My parents would sit there riveted. They would love a movie like that.
1: Yeah, it really depends, I think, on the movie selection that your parents have or have not seen. Because there are some older movies, I think, that maybe maybe your parents didn't get a chance to, to see. But maybe you've gotten a chance to see it and it goes, hey, this is from an era in time that that maybe they would look back on and say, wow, like whether it's a, a time a, a historical piece like like Frost Nixon or even a movie from their time that they haven't seen that you think might be pretty interesting or pretty revealing to them. So with with that in mind, I kind of want to go two different directions with it. One being um one being a movie that I that may be a little bit from the past that they would like and another that's maybe from the present. That they would like, and the present one. This is actually a, a story that actually happened with me. So I really liked when when I got to see the old man in the gun. It just had that that very old time feel yeah. to it, with being Robert Redford's quote unquote last movie. Of course, his last main role. Yeah, yeah, his last main role. And I was like, hey. I, I thought after that, I was like, hey, my dad and I really enjoy watching um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid together. I think you might enjoy seeing, seeing this. So I passed it on to, to my parents and were like, Hey, I've got a movie recommendation for you guys. Check out the old man and the gun sometime. It's got this, this really cool old feel to it. And I think the two of you would, would like this, you know, just a simple, uh, a very simple story. It's got, it's got an older type of feel to it. And I think you'll, you'll appreciate it and you'll like it. So there's a present day example. A past day example is actually another Redford movie, funny enough. And you're, you're talking about the political side of things. It's, uh, the reason I say this is that it feels as relevant today as it did then, and that's The Candidate.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to go all the presidents. Men, I was like, oh. oh okay. Well,
1: you know, you you could go that route, no, but you're not you're not wrong. The
0: candidate
1: is is so fascinating, and I don't think my parents have seen it. It's such a fascinating movie because I think this is one that, if your parents haven't seen it, you can show it to them, and they'll and if they're of that time and era, they'll go. That's as real then as it is today, and it's as real today as it was then. Yeah. This it it seems to transcend time as a movie as far as this is how politics in america seems to go and it i still remember seeing it for the first time when when i watched it on tcm and it i was just blown away i was like this is what happens this is this is so realistic as far as like you know a a whole lot of you know people changing who they are in the midst of this campaign and it's all about can i get the votes and doing whatever means necessary to get the votes and along party lines and changing who you are. And then it's like, now what? So I I think it transcends time that way. And if your parents haven't seen it, I think that's a cool one to flip back and to say, you're going to be blown away by this.
0: You know, and there's something else. Podcasts are generally listened to by younger audiences. You don't get the older folks, per se, going for podcasts. I'm not saying nobody does, but clearly the numbers are heavily skewed toward the young you know, one of the nice things to think about is just because this movie is in the last five years doesn't mean that's the only movies worth seeing. Go back, go look at things, and I don't just in my my era of where I think some of the best were. We've already talked about, you know, the late seventies to the eighties and early nineties in particular. I think are just absolutely rich, but go further back. Have you guys ever seen West uh, West Side Story? Another Spielberg reference because that's his next movie. He's doing a remake of it. Sound of Music. Have you ever seen, I'm going to throw one your way here, Lawrence of Arabia. I don't like those. Trust me, there's a reason why they're called classics. Go and see them. Maybe you need a few more years under your belt to appreciate them more. That's fair. But just because it's old doesn't mean it doesn't have any value. Go and see these movies.
1: You have to go in with, I think, the right mindset when you watch an older movie. You you have to understand yep. that there are going to be things that are significantly different, and not only in the way that they made the movie, but also in the way that the, the movie just looks and feels. If you come into it with the right mentality, though, you can really gain an appreciation.
0: You know, I'll give you an idea. You know, Since I'm a big fan of spooky movies and stuff— I remember, I couldn't tell you what year it was, but a lot of Hitchcock movies came back out into sort of a release. Uh, if not in theaters, then they were on like the movie channel or whatever, and they were doing a Hitchcock marathon. And my parents, realizing that I like spooky movies, and, and with the exception of maybe Psycho, uh, they're, I wouldn't call them tame, but they're viewable even by younger crowds, youngish crowds. And so, okay, we're going to watch a movie. It was Rear Window, I remember, which is a oh, great movie. Yeah. Great movie. Yep. And, all right, they, my parents brought me in. We're going to do a special night tonight. We're going to do this. And they talked me up. And this this is not what it was. It was a different time. I kind of explained it and then set it up. And then we watched it. It was a great movie. To this day, I love it. We did it again a few years later with Vertigo. And it's another great movie. Um, Parents, too, think about that with your kids, to introduce them into movies they may not like. The same spirit of making them eat their asparagus. You know, it's maybe not the taste... Well, I'm not going to say it's not the tastiest of foods, but it's not the kind of food that they're going to reach for. But it might stick. It might stick, and there's good reason to give it to them anyway. Yeah. And if, if nothing else, it grows their appreciation into things. So you can see people down the road that were inspired by Hitchcock... Or other artists, and you could see, you could look at J.J. Abrams. Clearly he grew up on Spielberg movies the same way I did, you know? And then there will be somebody 20 years from now that's going to be very Spielbergian and and Abramsian influenced, and that kind of thing has a secular value to it. It's interesting to see that roll around, and you can be part of the catalyst of that wheel. Just a thought. All
1: right, parents,
0: what category
1: next? Two more to go here, Dave.
0: I'm going to say... we're going to a date movie here, okay? so one for a significant other, uh, and I think this would work for a gal showing a guy or a guy showing a gal. It's got to be a good date movie. If it's got violence and action to it, then you've got to have not just the love story between John McClane trying to get to his wife. You know, that's okay, but that's really a guy movie, you know? you got to find a good balance, and I think maybe one of the best date movies, I, I'll give you what my be- what my honorable mention is. It is and specifically the remake of The Thomas Crown Affair. Really good movie. Really good date movie. But the one that I think is going to take the cake, Cameron Crowe's Almost Famous. It's a great movie. And I didn't grow up in the early 70s when you get the classic rock music at its height and you get the lights. So basically, if you haven't seen the movie, there's a fictional band called Stillwater very much in the vein of like the Allman Brothers. It'd be a similar sounding kind of band. And they're just trying to make themselves relevant. And they've got a band a band of groupies known as the Band-Aids that just follow them and they just love the music. They're there for the music. They're not there for sex and drugs. and. Rock. They're there for the rock and roll is what they're there for. And there's this young journalist that is actually, if you know the behind the scenes, is almost somewhat autobiographical of Cameron Crowe himself. He worked for Rolling Stone magazine when he was a kid and did follow some of the bands, namely Pete Townsend. And Pete Townsend actually works on the movie, wrote some of the songs in the genre of the early 70s. Wow. And uh and it was it's a fantastic movie. By the time the movie's over, you feel like you've just gone on tour with the Allman Brother type band with Stillwater. It's a great movie. It's I would classify it as a dramedy. It's it's funny, but it's not a comedy. It's got a lot of drama, but it's not a drama. It's that dramedy, it's a great coming of age. It's got romance. It's got it's just everything. And guys will love it. Gals will love it. It's just a darn good movie. And it's got a lot of music, obviously. too. Well, yeah, yeah. You've got uh, and
1: there's the appeal. Like like you're talking about. I I didn't even think about that. Like you really hadn't had me thinking there as you were talking about that. Having that broad appeal that way. When if you can find a, a romantic movie that is able to do that.
0: It's really helpful. What the movie really is is a love letter. And if you know Cameron Crowe movies, Say Anything, Jerry Maguire, uh, there you go. There's, there's a couple of the big ones. Um, did I say Say Anything? Because that's a good one. This is such a love letter to that genre, to that time. It looks like it was filmed in 1973, I think is when the movie set, something like that. So you've got the classic rock feel. You've got the guys that are in the band. You've got Kate Hudson in a breakout role as one of the band-aids. And even the young kid, and I don't know how old he was when they filmed the movie, maybe 12 or 13, he's he's supposed to be a young kid. And he pulls it off, but he's also got a little bit more of an older soul to him. Francis McDormand, his over-domineering mother, who's now an Oscar winner and great actress, too. Um, and then you got the band themselves. you got Jason Lee. You've got Billy Kudrup. You've got a great... Group of guys and even some some other well known names that pop up. Even Philip Seymour Hoffman is there uh, as a as sort of a a music aficionado is a good way to put him. It's a great movie. I can't say it enough. It looks the part. It seems the part, and the soundtrack is something to just drool over. Uh, Whether it's original music made for the movie. Or other song. There's a song that I discovered because of that movie. I thought it was Led Zeppelin until I looked closer. It's the Beach Boys, but it's almost like psychedelic what? rock. It was their answer <laughs> to the Beatles' White Album. And you're like, "What is this?" It's fantastic. It's a great movie. It looks great, sounds great, it is great.
1: Uh, wow, that that was a plot twist. In you that like that? that? There. Yeah. I know it. <laughs> The Beach Boys and psychedelic don't really
0: go. Google up Beach Boys feel flows. They play it over the end credits of the movie, but it's just a. I thought it was Led Zeppelin. I was like, it's almost. I don't know who this is, but it sounds like Zepp. Nope, wow. no,pe Beach Boys. What? Yeah, yeah. Same reaction I just had. Go Google that one. It's a wow. it's a it's a cool mellow kind of psychedelic song.
1: See with a date night movie. Oh man, it's you could go so many different directions with it and there are so many degrees of of where you'd want to go on that that spectrum that you talked about there of is this going to appeal more to the guy is it going to appeal more to the girl can you find a middle ground if i were going to go it's going to appeal more toward the girl then i'd say you have to go with something like roman holiday like True. i would i would show that then and if the guy is okay with showing a a softer movie that way then then go with that because that's a classic romance and it's it's such a it, it's such a delightful one too. Like it's just really really fun and lighthearted. Just watching Audrey Hepburn and Gregory Peck running around Rome, having fun together, and finding hey we have kind of a mutual interest in each other here. And it's I it, it's a timeless one when when you watch when you watch it back. I watched it close to Valentine's Day this year, and it was like. Yeah, this one this one's still a, a classic. So if you want to go more on the on the softer and and more romantic side, go that way. If you want to add some more action into the mix, I was just watching this the other day and I was reminded of that this movie has a lot of romantic intrigue to it, The Last of the Mohicans. Which wow! I was, I, I was I not thinking you were going right, that route. Right, because if if you want to add in <laughs> if you want to add in a lot of action, but a lot of romance that comes with it on this sweeping adventure, then that movie does the job pretty well, even though it's like a whoa kind of movie in terms of the action and in terms of the violence um but then you've got this that comes with it too like in the middle of all of this wartime tension you have this romance that's also a a part of it as well like i said degrees on the scale here
0: okay then I'd like to add another one to Texas chainsaw massacre 2 Leatherface clearly likes the girl and he's t- <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're playing on the extremes a lot today aren't you
0: <laughs> it's a beautiful love story drenched in blood yeah
1: yeah but if if you want to hit the middle ground if you want to hit the middle ground then then I have to go with what is probably my favorite romantic movie and that is the original Thomas Crown affair That's a good I, movie. I know I know you really like like the remake. I really like the original. Like, first time I watched it, I was captivated. I was like, this is a show-on-a-future-date kind of movie. Like, it's just got so much... in. Like, speaking of intrigue, between all the tension of that cat-and-mouse game, there is this... Oh, man. The chemistry between between, uh, Steve McQueen and Faye Dunaway is unreal. Like it's, it's really, really great just in their banter. Like I'm not even talking about just like the romantic chemistry. I'm talking like the banter between the two of them. Like these are two of the coolest people of their time on the big screen. And they are just, yeah, they're, they're basically going cat and mouse and, a can they, can she get the money back and can he keep the money? And then they find can we keep each other through all this, too? It's it's just really, really good. Tugs at your heartstrings a little bit, too.
0: Yeah, and the, the remake was a little more contemporary. Obviously, it was 99, I think that one came 99, out. 99, yeah. What year was the original? Was that 69? That was 68? 68. 68. So they they look like products of their time, but '99 obviously is a lot closer with production values and so forth to today. You've got rather than Steve McQueen, you've got Pierce Brosnan. Faye Dunaway does make a cameo in the new one as a yes. psychotherapist, but now you have Renee Russo. They were a great couple together. They was it was steamy, it was sexy, it was you know it was thrilling. You know it's you know it's it's not that this, there's no murder involved, but they're going to slit one another's throat so to speak. They're willing to, but will they? Is she going to turn him in? You know, will he will he just abandon her and and vanish? It's a great movie. Both and in the middle of
1: it, you find romance. Yeah, yeah.
0: Will it last? Will it not? You know, it's it was uh, it's a good one. It's a crowd pleaser and stylishly done. So that's another good idea. All right, final category to the buddies. Who are you going to show your buddies? And I guess at this point, it kind of depends if you know what your what your things are, what your buddies are. Yeah. One movie that I wasn't sure if I was going to like it, and I kind of watched it on a whim. I was like, I don't know and I really liked it, it was really cool, is uh, a Tom Cruise movie, Live, Die, Repeat, also known as The Edge of Tomorrow. Yes. With Emily Blunt. Did you see it?
1: I have not seen it. I remember seeing, th- I couldn't tell which one was the title when they were advertising it.
0: It's This is the most bizarre way to describe it. It's like Groundhog's Day meets Saving Private Ryan meets... I don't know. Yes. Starship Troopers yes. meets saving, meets uh, uh, Groundhog Day. You you're this guy that's about to be on an assault. Aliens have, have invaded Earth, and now the humans are starting a, kind of like a Normandy invasion. Yeah, to Yeah, I would. Him back.
1: I'd say Starship Troopers. In, Starship Troopers instead of Saving
0: Private Ryan is is a good substitution. But something funny happens to Tom Cruise. He dies immediately, but then wakes up. Earlier in the day, and basically relives it, knows what's coming, knows where he's going to go. So he's using knowledge of where things go. It's almost like anyone that's ever played a video game, first person shooter where you have to work your way down the beach, like, say, the Medal of Honor series. You know you know there's a guy in that bell tower is going to be shooting at you because he shot you the last five times you made that corner. So now you got to find a different method to make your way through and get the guy and make your way further along the game. So it's kind of like a love letter to video gamers who try to work their way inch by inch through a level and then beat the level and then do it again on the next level. But it's also extremely smartly done. You've got Emily Blunt, almost in like an Ellen Ripley type character. Sigourney Weaver from Aliens. It's it's got a couple of nice cameo appearances. Bill Paxton, we we miss him. He's a great guy. But he's yeah. got a couple of fun moments as the drill sergeant. Uh, it's a great movie. And, and then you get to the point where it you know you don't know what's going to happen anymore you know we've, we''ve never gotten this far before I have no idea and you can you can you beat this war and do this with the with the knowledge of the future and it's a fantastic movie, very well done uh, I think it's the alignment movie and there's talk about a sequel they might do a sequel so it's could be interesting, but it's a really good movie and I'm not, not everyone's a Tom Cruise fan. Um, and I'm really not either. The thing is that Tom Cruise happens to show up in a lot of really good movies. Jerry Maguire again, back to Cameron Crowe. But he makes it work, and he really does, and it's fun to see him as something less than super heroic like Ethan Hunt. He's kind of a coward in this movie, and he's just trying to make his way through, and you watch Emily Blunt, who is as badass as they come, and uh, yeah, it's a fantastic movie, and it's one that you will probably will never see it coming. And then wham, you see like, wow, that was really a lot better than I ever thought it would be. And that's almost the best compliment you can get. Sweet, yeah. worth seeing. Okay, my buddy, I recommend to you. Okay, I'll Thank loan it to you, you if you want.
1: My buddy, I appreciate it. Yeah, because that's been one. That was one that I think I was I was going to check out at some point just it's it's kind of sat on the back burner for a little bit while uh, got a hundred of them though. yeah but i did think the concept was was kind of interesting it, kind of an interesting pairing too with tom cruise and emily blunt it's that
0: is they made a good they really made a good team and it was you know he's this he's like a recruiter his character is a recruiter well, we got this big battle, we're going to need a little help, but he's fearless and this and that until they're like, well, okay, well, you're going to put your money where your mouth is because you're on the front line. What, what, Huh? what, huh? He's trying to get out of it. And now he's basically dropped into the opening scene of Saving Private Ryan where there's just stuff blowing up everywhere. Yeah. He's trying to desert anything he can do to get out of there, he will do, and is immediately killed and is trapped. So how are you going to, you can't just keep doing the same thing and die and die and die and die and die. It's got moments of comedy It's got a lot of action. It's got a good story and even some good themes to it. It's a fantastic movie that the way it looks is just some random alien explosion, shoot them up but it's got a whole lot more that you probably didn't see in the marketing because they don't think they marketed it well, including the title. They were going to call it Live, Die, Repeat. No, what does that mean? Let's change it. So, Edge of Tomorrow is what they call it. It was dumb to the point now where it almost has both titles. Yeah, it does. It's 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 only it's the only movie I can think of. Well, maybe not like The Road Warrior, Mad Max Two, that has different titles depending on who's talking about it. Yeah. Mad Max 2, definitely two different titles Only in the there. U.S. is yep. it called The Road Warrior. Everywhere else, it's Mad Max 2. So it's it's one of those. But they just couldn't figure out what to do with this movie. And hence, the title problems and the marketing problems. And I don't think the movie did fantastic at the box office, but watch it, and it's a different story. So there you go, my buddies. Oh, man. My buddies. Uh, you got to tell the one story about when you did Surprise Secret Movie Night. That's right. Yes, because I've got it. A- Another
1: prime Which is example. another great movie. Yeah, I I showed um actually with my with my young adult church group we were doing a, a vote on a movie that we were going to watch together and I lobbied really hard for this movie really really hard not a lot of people had seen it it ended up losing out to Captain America the first Avenger they they decided See? to go the superhero See? route so I was like okay I, Captain America I love the oh, movie great movie but I wanted to show something that was different something that maybe people hadn't seen. Second time that we showed a movie, they were like, hey, why don't we go back and watch this one? Because it lost in a pretty close vote the last time around. So then I got to show everybody that thing you do. And watching people's faces during that movie was awesome because this was a movie that had flown under the radar in the 90s. And I know we, you and I have talked about it before, but it flew under the radar. And now I love showing it to people who've never seen it before because I got to do that for my friends, and they loved it. They, it's a
0: squeaky clean version of Almost Famous.
1: Yeah, and it was just great. And set in the 60s, funny tropes related to the Beatles and of the time, you know, with the one-hit wonder idea. And it was, I, I mean, people just loved it. So another prime example from the past where I've done this. As far as coming up with new ideas... Um, there are two movies that come to mind for different reasons. One is if it's if it's like some of my my guy friends, I would be like, "Hey, I think you guys would enjoy Master and Commander: The Far Side oh, of the World." Yeah. Great, great movie. Russell Crowe and it's a Slow Burn. It is a slow burn, but man, it is a really amazing visual movie and really really cool again, piece of the time, you know, this time in history. Um, and a, and a great chase movie as well. Really, really cool chase movie too. Yeah. With as they they well, go it's through tall the sailing seas. ships. I mean, yep. for those of you
0: that don't know it, it's like is Napoleonic Wars. Yeah, the Napoleonic Wars. You're on these tall sailing ships. You know, a vast but not pirates. You know, it's right. a, it's yeah, it's a very very good movie. Yeah. So
1: that that's one. I've shown it to a couple of my friends for the first time, and they've. They've enjoyed it. Another that, that will be kind of interesting to watch, especially in about a year's time, because we're coming up on its 10-year anniversary. I've watched it with my friends, and we don't necessarily watch it for the entertainment. We more so watch it for this is kind of the movie of our time. And it's it, it makes you feel not so great when you watch it, but you go, boy, there's a lot of truth to this. And that's The Social Network. Oh yeah, we're coming up on the ten-year anniversary of it. And Boy, that just... the, yeah, The Social Network is truly, I think, the movie of my generation.
0: Like, I, I would, I would, there's an argument to that. Yeah,
1: I don't. I'm not necessarily saying the best movie of my generation, but but I would say it's reflective one of the best. Of and it is reflective. It's like looking in a mirror, and I think it's a mirror that shows a picture that is maybe not necessarily something that's great, but it is kind of fascinating to to watch it and to see what my generation is in terms of the social media generation and and in terms of the way people are of, of my ilk, even of people a little bit older than me by, by a couple of years, it is really the movie of our time. Um, and it's, it it fascinates me every time I watch it back and and consider you know where Facebook is today, where social media is today, where people of where I landed and even a couple of years before me in the millennial generation are. It's it, it's really a fascinating movie. Like I said, not necessarily one to watch and and enjoy, but more so one to watch and have a conversation about afterward.
0: Yeah, it makes you almost want to shut down your Facebook account when you watch the movie. But <laughs> yeah. Zuckerberg is. It makes you wonder what does he want to do with Facebook. Not just, you know, in the beginning, but even now. I mean, we're doing all yeah. this, you know, data selling and mining, and it's just, well, what are you trying to do here, exactly? And could you try not to be such a a tool while you do it? I, don't, it's, it, I agree with you. It's a very, very good movie, and it's also yeah. got a lot of a message to it that is relevant as today as it was when that came out, and that was 2010, wasn't it? 2010, yeah. that's
1: right, which was a great year for movies, by the way. Yeah, it was. Awesome year for movies. It so was. Looking back on it, it's it's cool, the movies that had come along, Inception, which is another one of my favorites, came along that year. But, you know, it, it's cool answering, and that's why I'm glad that we that we did this topic today, Dave, and that you had come up with this, because there are so many different ways that you can approach answering that question. But sometimes it's it's good to ask yourself, and maybe you've been thinking about this as we've come up with our own answers. I can think of one, two, maybe even three movies that fit that, that bill. Like, as you were... Putting each of those ideas out, I was thinking, well, I've got this idea in mind, but I've also got this idea in mind. And, and Dave just came up with a really good idea there, too. It's cool when you've got something like this because it's different for each couple. You know, if you're showing it to your significant other. It's different for your family if you're showing it to your kids. It's different if if you've got a certain type of friend group that, that you hang out with, um, with the kind of movie that they like to to take in. What are your parents like with their movie mix? Those things, I think, feed into the way that you answer a question like this, but it's cool to see how you go about trying to approach the answer.
0: There's, you know, Hoove and I are that type of people that we're big movie fans, and not just to be consumed, but to be. We've compared watching movies to enjoying a meal. You can go have something in a bag that's going to give you a heart attack in a few years, or you can really sit down to something savory. We've said that since the beginning with this podcast. Oh, yeah. So you think about it like that, sharing a meal with somebody. You know, you could just go grab a fun party pizza and just have a really good time. There's nothing wrong with that. You can go to a fine four-star restaurant and truly dine. Maybe it's a little too stuffy, but there's something very much to be appreciated. And everything in between, if it's something that matters to you and you want to share that with somebody, this is really no different. And so parents also... Think about introducing your kids to specific things and getting them interested in the things that you like. There's so much to like about movies. I honestly don't understand... Somebody that does not like movies at all. That only tells me that they really never got the chance to like them. And, well, they're all pretending it doesn't matter. I know De Niro didn't really kill Joe Pesci because they're real-life best friends. But you can suspend disbelief long enough to really enjoy them in Raging Bull together. Oh, wait, no, that casino together. Oh, no, they're going to be in the new uh, Scorsese one on Netflix coming out this fall. The Irishman, I think they're calling it. Uh, oh, yeah, it'll be a good one. I didn't know both of them were in that. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a really good one. And I can't wait to see it. Uh, go show them these things. Show them the new things that are going to get their sense of wonder. Show them things from the past. And by goodness, I think one of the best era of movies is the ones I grew up in, and that's now the past. But look how relevant it is even now. So get them excited. Get them into it and show your friends. Share your parents. Show everybody the things that excite you and motivates you and, and get you your sense of wonder, and it can become infectious. And you may hit or miss. Yeah. It's you, true. There
1: will be ones where it's it, it goes both ways. You know, there was one time, and I maybe I've talked about this on this podcast before, and I, I actually think I have. I went to go see Gravity with my brothers, my sister, and a couple of my friends. And we saw it in IMAX 3D. Oh, and so it wow. was it was crazy. That was one of the wildest movie experiences I've ever had. Like as far as a whoa experience. But we left, and my brothers did not really like the movie, and my friends didn't really like the movie either. They they didn't like the first person quite as much, the first person view of it quite as much. And I thought it was it was a really fascinating concept. I thought it was really neat, and i I felt kind of bad because my friends had free movie passes, and they they used them for the group um, with with this trip that we took to go see this movie. So I felt kind of bad. I was like, I'm sorry we we chose to go to that one, guys. And then one of my brothers he he turns to me and he goes. You don't have to apologize. It Did just didn't fun- work out. Did you have fun? Yeah, I mean, we enjoyed being hanging out together. We enjoyed the time together. And that's part of it with these movies too. You you enjoy the time together. Um and and you enjoy watching it. You know, here's a, here's another example. I was watching Rocky the other the other day with some friends of mine and some of them had not seen Rocky before. And But
0: yet they're watching Creed. They don't know the well who is this Apollo guy? What? Well,
1: we talked about that a little bit, yeah, but we we were watching we were watching the original Rocky, and as we were watching it, some of my friends were talking a lot during the movie and i i I'm a kind of person who likes to watch and not have talking be in the mix, and at one point, Somebody said, I can't really tell what they're saying. Like, dialogue was a little bit tough to tell. Because you're talking. And I had had about enough, and I turned and went, maybe we could figure out the dialogue if people weren't talking so much. And there was, some of my friends, their reactions were, were classic, like, whoa. And, and I felt a little bit bad after that. But but when I think back on it in retrospect, I'm like, you know what? On the one hand, yeah, it's it's better not to talk so much during a movie. But on the other hand... When you're watching it as a group and processing processing it together that way, sometimes that's all right. Because Everyone. it's the people you're enjoying it with that make it great. Like, I have a big movie collection, and it'd be one thing to sit alone in, in my house and watch those movies. It's way better to share them with my friends and to watch them that way. These are shared experiences. That's the That's really the theme of this episode, shared
0: experiences at yeah, the movies. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's, you know, I could watch Dumb and Dumber and say all the lines out loud, especially if you're watching with people that have seen it before. What's the soup du jour? It's the soup of the day. Mm, that sounds good. I'll have that. You know, I love those. There's so many quotable lines from Almost Wait, Famous, Which was on the moon. Which was an ad-lib by the way. I know it was. The guys that were on the screen <laughs> had to bite their lip and not laugh till somebody yelled cut. <laughs> Uh, yeah, There and there's. I can tell you right now there's 9 million.4 movies that we also could have mentioned in the course of this episode, but you just can't. So here's just a small sprinkling of things and what we would do and what we would share. So in a way, we're not necessarily telling you a movie you should show to your parents or your significant other. We're As much as we're sharing these movies, we're sharing our friends and our family and our kids and our thought processes with you. And yours may be similar, may be different. That's the point. Go out and enjoy it and, and find something that reflects you guys and that you think will resonate with those you're going to show it to. Some movies that were for kids, I would probably wouldn't show my kiddo The Dark Crystal if you remember that one from the back in the day. I can see your mind. The Dark what? Uh, not The Dark Knight. The Dark Crystal. Yes. Jim Hansen Gone Dark. Oh, and, I've heard of it. I oh, haven't yeah. watched it though. No. It's not a bad movie, but eh, I'd much rather show him and traumatize him with E.T. than with The Dark Crystal. But that's me knowing my son and, uh, and that kind of thing. So go out there, have a fun time, share those movies, and above all, enjoy and share the enjoyment.
1: That's right. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater, located on Highway 2, just down from the airport. $5 movie nights there on Tuesdays. That's a great time to have a shared experience. Bring movies. the whole family. It'd be a whole lot less. Exactly. A whole lot less. More affordable to go. Hey, you could even grab a bite to eat from the snack bar as well. Everybody, Discounts there. If everybody pulls their money, it's great for a group outing as well. So pretty fun opportunity to go and catch a movie, and you can do so at the Bemidji Theater. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Joel Hoover. I'm Dave Brooks. And we will see you at the movies.